welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. So welcome to another episode of the Find Your Best Future podcast. Today we're going to be um, talking a little bit about Ireland, I think, Jeremy. Is that right? That's correct, yes. We have a, a lot to say on this topic. Yeah, it's uh, it's really fascinating um, uh, what Ireland offers, uh, especially for you know uh, a country that's part of the EU and an English-speaking uh, country. It offers a lot to students. Um, uh, so let's just get straight to it, shall we? So, Jeremy, first up, tell us a bit about Ireland uh, um, as a location and as a study location. Well, Ireland is a, a small country next door to a very big one, and thus it often gets overlooked. But it's located, of course, on the western extremity of Europe, uh, washed by the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. And Ireland is famous for its beautiful green landscape. It has stunning beaches, very friendly people, and, of course, its most famous national drink, which is Guinness. <laughs> um, However, it's worth noting, because uh, not everyone is very clear about this, that the island of Ireland is divided into two parts. The north belongs to the UK, and the south is an independent country, the Republic of Ireland, which is a member of the EU, and they use the euro as their currency. And it's the yeah, Republic and this of Ireland. It's really, really important, it especially is, yeah. after Brexit, you know, where now yeah. um, the island uh, of Ireland is basically divided between a member of the EU and a country that's outside of the EU. And that has implications for students, doesn't it? Um, some it some quite yeah. significant ones. It most certainly does. And this is something that we're going to be talking about, of course, in this podcast. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, you mentioned the beautiful landscape. Uh, uh, you mentioned um, uh, you know, the people. Um, it, it's important, I think, to, to know that... Uh, Ireland is, is, a, is a country that also uh, values education extremely highly, historically. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's home to some very famous universities. Probably the most famous one would be Trinity College Dublin. It's a world-renowned university. But the Irish are quite right. They do value education very, very highly. So let's take a look at the big picture. Um, what do Irish universities look like? Well, as I mentioned, it's only a small country with about 5 million inhabitants. Um, but Ireland, nevertheless, has uh, 12 universities, plus numerous colleges, technical colleges, etc. Um, as I mentioned before, the most famous one, of course, is Trinity College Dublin, a world-renowned university. It's regularly ranked in the top 100 QS rankings worldwide. Right. And are there any campus universities in Ireland? Yes, indeed. There are several. Uh, university College Cork is a campus university. Um, I went to visit there a few years ago. Lovely campus. Uh, Trinity College Dublin is, is what we might describe as a city campus in the sense that it's a collection of buildings you know, clustered together in the center of Dublin. University College Dublin also has a very nice campus at the southern edge of the city. And then there's Limerick, it's a gorgeous campus. It, it regularly gets voted the best campus in Ireland. And so if you want a campus university, there's certainly plenty to choose from. Okay, and what sort of facilities does one typically find at these universities? Well, 
Just about everything, I think, is probably the answer. Um, Irish universities <laughs> are, of course, very similar to UK universities. They have a wide range of first-class facilities. You'll find laboratories for research, lecture halls, libraries. Uh, we've mentioned Trinity College already. It has one of the world's most famous and most beautiful libraries. Indeed. If you're, in if you're interested, go on Google Images and have a look. You see what I mean. Um, then, of course, there's university accommodation, there are sports facilities, cafeterias, health centers, advice centers, housing office, careers office, and on and on and on. So right. you will certainly have all the facilities you need if you go and study at an Irish university. Right. And again, we're talking about Southern Ireland, not Northern Ireland. I think it's really important yes. for students and families, they realise that the northern part of uh, Ireland uh, is classified as part of the UK and therefore uh, we'll be covering that in perhaps a different uh, conversation. Um, uh, are Irish uh, universities uh, ranked? Are they part of the rankings uh, process? Oh, yes, indeed. The Times Higher Education uh, magazine ranks Irish universities. Okay. And currently, uh, again, we have Trinity College Dublin, number one. Sure. Then, then we have the Royal College of Surgeons Ireland, uh, UCD, which is University College Dublin. Then there's the National University of Ireland, Galway, Limerick, etc. Okay. And, and, and that's... Uh... But those are rankings just for Ireland. And then, of course, QS rankings are worldwide rankings. And uh, as I mentioned already, Trinity College Dublin is in the top 100 worldwide, which, of course, is uh, very prestigious indeed. And the other universities are sort of two, three hundred, I guess, ranking? Yes, I would say probably between about 200 down to five, six hundred. I know that sounds okay. a long way down, but there are tens of thousands of universities being ranked. Indeed. In this. Uh, so uh, actually, even if you're ranked at four or five hundred, that's still high. Yeah, you're still doing a good job. And um, yes, I think, um, you know, everybody needs to take those rankings with a with a pinch of salt as well, don't they? Because um, in many ways, uh, it's about the right fit uh, rather than the position in the rankings. Is that not correct? Yes, it is. Um, just because a university is ranked number six doesn't mean to say it's going to be better for you than the university ranked number eight. It is about finding the right fit for you personally as an individual. And a lot of factors come into play in this. Uh, obviously, Indeed. the academic reputation is one of them, but many other things like the location of the university. Um, so I think, I mean, ranking is something that we're going to do a separate podcast on. Right, it's, indeed. it's a very interesting topic. But if you want to really understand a little bit, at least today, um, rankings are useful in the sense that they will show you where the top 20 universities are, where the next 20 are. But it's fairly fluid, I would say. And of course, rankings change every year. The universities uh, you know, go up or go down in the rankings. So. Anyway, as I said, we'll do another podcast on this in much more detail. Let's zoom in on academics. What's on offer? How are the courses generally structured? And what kind of learning teaching styles are, uh, are generally offered in, in Ireland? Well, I mean, across the country as a whole, um, you can study just about anything. Uh, a huge range of subjects are on offer. And I, right. I feel confident in saying that whatever subject you're looking for, you'll certainly be able to find it at one of the Irish universities. Um, they have 
as you would expect, sciences, business, humanities, medicine, law, engineering, psychology, design, politics, international relations, computer, yeah. architecture, arts, theater, okay. music. The whole, the whole I, gamut. I, the, the whole gamut. I could go on and on and on. It's, it's a huge list. And if you go onto the website of one of the Irish universities and just go undergraduate programs, you will see what I mean. Right. Um, and in terms of uh, international students, are there any courses that have uh, entry restrictions in Ireland um, uh, or courses that, that uh, international students cannot access? I mean, the, the, the only course which is restricted, of course, is medicine uh, in terms ah. of, of, of numbers of non-Irish citizens that, that can go and study. But that, that's commonplace, I would say, across most countries. Right, indeed. And how long are the, the, the bachelor's courses generally in, in, in Ireland? Well, all the European countries signed up for something called the Bologna Accord. That was in 1999, where all the European countries brought their university education system, the bachelor degrees, into line with one another. And they went for the standard three-year model, which was already, right. of course, operating in Ireland and the UK. So Indeed. it wasn't really a change as far as the Irish universities were concerned. So if you go to Ireland, you will do a three-year bachelor program. However, you may uh, extend that, for example, if you go out and do an internship, work in a company, or if you go and do an exchange program in a foreign university, then obviously that stretches to three years to three and a half, four years, just depends. Right. And that's quite popular in Ireland, isn't it? Uh, many of the universities yeah. are, are very much connected with uh, business and or careers and, and offer these kind of uh, uh, programs. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was talking yesterday to someone from Limerick University, and he made the point that they encourage or even require, in some cases, their students to go out and do some sort of internship. Um, it, it's widespread, I would say. And okay. I'd also say it's an extremely useful thing. If you are a high school student listening to this podcast, um, you should really seriously consider not just doing the standard three-year program, if possible, you know, the add-ons, the extras are very, very valuable for you. Um, yeah, so in, in, in two ways, really. Yeah. Uh, one, they give you the experience, but also they, they bring some cash in. Uh, um, <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, the combination is really quite a powerful one, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, in, in Ireland, uh, internships are nearly always paid. And you can earn, on average, between about fourteen and €1,800 Euros a month, which is not bad. Uh, no, for, especially for a university student. So no, uh, get out there and, and look for them. Going back, uh, so, you know, in terms of how the uh, the courses are, are taught, is it generally a sort of very traditional learning environment still? Or can students expect something a bit more um, creative and or uh, team-based? You can certainly find a lot of programs now which are creative, team-based, problem-based learning However, if you, as a student, as an individual, would prefer to go down the route of the more traditional uh, sort of lecture-based learning, then you can certainly find that as well. Um, I think it's important for students to shop around a little bit and reflect on what suits them best in terms of learning style. Yeah, and I think what you just mentioned is really important. Students need to understand uh, their own learning style 
in this whole conversation, don't they? And we, we've mentioned it a couple of times in other episodes, but um, I think it's really, really important that you you come with a a picture of, of what, what you're looking for in terms of teaching and learning, because only then will you find what, you're, what you need. Yes, I think when, when you, as a high school student, set out to you know, look for universities, look for courses, the place you need to start looking is with yourself to sort of, uh, do some self-reflecting and, and understand what it is you actually require or need or would wish to find at a university and then go out and look for the universities which match your needs. Right. And the, um, the way that the degrees are structured, uh, um, how does that work uh, um, in Ireland? Is it a credit-based system or is it, uh, how does, how does it uh, fit within the structural uh, setup of a, of a degree course? Yes, I mean, you, you have to take a, a series of credits, a series of units. Um, of course, it varies widely from one university or one subject to another, but uh, you do actually have to pass all the units and clock up enough credits to actually graduate with a degree. Um, but in in order to understand this, I think the best thing is to go onto the departmental website and have a little look because they will explain what you need to do in order to graduate. All right. And is it an easy place to get into for an international student? Uh, uh, does it offer a, a, a solution that um, is easily accessible or, or are the demands high when it comes to the entry requirements? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I suppose we, we come back to the saying that if you want to go to a top university, you need to have top grades in school. Um, right. uh, but in terms of recognition of school leaving exams, whether you're doing the IB or British A-levels or high school diploma, uh, you can apply to Irish universities. And right. You, so even if and, you're coming in with uh, AP and SATs, they'll sort of yeah, accept yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, which is, um, you know, not always the case in in uh, in, in many locations. That's true. Uh, what they do in Ireland is, regardless of of what um, school leaving exam you offer, um, they convert it into points. Ah. Um, that, and then you are basically ranked against all the other students applying. But more okay. on that later. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, and do you have to provide uh, language uh, proficiency evidence for the universities and perhaps for the, for the visa? Um, yes. You, um, if, if you come from a, a country which is not an English-speaking country or, or maybe you're in a school where English is not the main language of instruction, then you'll need to prove your English language proficiency. talk a little bit about support services in Ireland. What can a student expect uh, from an Irish university in this regard? I think support services are something which uh, students think quite a lot about before they go to university, uh, especially if they're in a school that has strong support services and they, yeah. they like to think that they will continue to receive the support they need, be it academic or perhaps social-emotional. Those are probably the two main areas of support. And Irish universities do an excellent job on this. Uh, right. you, you will be very well supported um, if you go and study in Ireland. Right. So the universities will have uh, a sort of wide range of, of, of different um, services that they offer? 
Yes, um, you will probably uh, go and talk to your academic tutor when you first arrive because you'll need to uh, check up on the content uh, of your course. Um, you will receive advice on, on which units, which electives to take, this sort of advice. And further down the road, if you find yourself struggling uh, with part of your course, then you can go and talk to your academic tutor and he or she will recommend you taking some extra support classes. Um, and so really, you are going to be very, very well supported uh, when you go right. to study in Ireland. And in terms of healthcare, is that usually on the campuses, campus universities, is there usually a, um, a health center or, you know, can you have to, do you have to go into the community? Um, both really. Um, obviously, uh, there, there will be a certain level of healthcare provided at the university on the campus. But for anything more right. serious, you may, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if you do of need course. to go to a hospital, then yes, there are plenty in all the towns and cities. That right. And students do a lot more than just studying, don't they? Uh, um, what provision is there for the other stuff, the extracurricular activities? Well, Irish universities are, are in this respect, very similar to universities in the UK, Canada, Australia, uh, USA. You sort of live together, work together, play together. They really encourage you to get out there and become involved. Um, there's a huge number of clubs and societies that students can join. Um, sports, arts, music, theatre, outdoor activities. Um, University College Dublin is one of the larger universities in, in the country, and they have over 70 clubs and societies for you to choose from. Right. And it's quite an outdoorsy society, isn't it? Uh, um, despite the, the, the often inclement weather, it, um, uh, you know, people, people spend quite a lot of time outside in, in the nature. Um, and I guess uh, there's an emphasis there on, on those kind of things as well. Yes. I mean, Ireland is a wonderful country for hiking. Uh, and it's also become very popular for things like windsurfing and kite surfing because there's an awful lot of wind along the coast, especially the <laughs> west is. coast, the one facing the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but Ireland, yeah, you, you mentioned the inclement weather. It's a polite way of saying it rains a lot. Um, I, I think that if you are going to Ireland, you definitely need to take a rain jacket with you. You certainly do. Uh, it'll be and your you need constant... to feel comfortable with that whole idea of it raining yes. frequently because there is a reason why everything is green, isn't there? Absolutely. You're not going to get the green unless you have to <laughs> suffer the rain along the way. But I think in Ireland, because it does rain a lot, um, I think people just put on their rain gear and go out and get on with their lives. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we should probably throw in here is that Ireland is, um, although it sort of feels like it's sort of separated from the rest of the Europe, it's actually really well connected. Um, uh, you know, the, the inventor, the founder of uh, uh, low-cost airlines uh, is based in Ireland, and, and they are incredibly well-connected across Europe, aren't they? Extremely well-connected. It's absolutely amazing. You can get very cheap flights from Dublin and from Shannon airports, Cork airport, to pretty much everywhere in Europe. Um, yeah. And, of course, if you fly into a major hub like London, then, of course, you can connect through to the rest of the world. In, in fact, Dublin, the capital city of Ireland, has yeah. a lot of uh, intercontinental flights departing from there. So if you are arriving in Ireland from, you know, maybe Asia or Africa, South America, North America, you are going to be able to fly into Dublin airport. It's not going to be a problem for you. 
No, indeed. And so, you know, that whole idea of being connected uh, is really important. Um, uh, so, you know, apart from, you know, sort of clubs and stuff uh, um, at the weekend, you can also envisage jumping on a flight and going off to, to Paris for the weekend. Um, so there are all of those options as well. Um, Irish universities, uh, something that um, many, many sort of high school students don't think about is alumni networks. Uh, they're important, aren't they? Uh, when you leave, that you have that sort of group of people around you. Do uh, Irish universities look at those networks and take them seriously? They do indeed, yes, because they recognise the, the value of an alumni network. Um, later on... What is an alumni for those people with using well, the word? Yeah, <laughs> good point. Alumni, those are people who have graduated from the university. Ah, okay. So ex-students, basically. Okay. Okay. And, and what can you expect for the, as, when you leave university in terms of uh, uh, that network? Well, um, it's very useful to, to look for jobs, to find jobs if you're connected. Right. Being connected is extremely important in your career. And your alumni network is part of, part of that. Um, it, it helps you connect with others and you can support others as well, of course. Um, but it's, it's also a nice way to keep in touch with your friends, that the people that you spent three years studying with, and after your university years are finished, you might disappear off to, you know, all four corners of the globe. Um, but it, it's, it serves a, a social networking function as well as being a, a professional uh, network. So let's spend a moment zooming in on probably uh, the most critical week or two. Um, for high school students in their transition to university. And that's the sort of orientation week. Um, it's often called different things, but it's the week where you arrive and you get off the plane and, and then and then what? What can a, a student, high school student expect when they arrive on that first day uh, in Ireland, generally speaking? I think high school students, when they're thinking about going to university, experience a mix of or fear and excitement, if you like. Yeah, really. Um, That's true. Yes, yeah, yeah, they do. And and I think that one of the greatest sources of anxiety is, you know, I'm going to land at Dublin Airport. Uh, what's going to happen to me? You know, sure. I'm going to co collect my suitcase, and then what? You know, how do I get to the campus? I I know it sounds very basic, but it's something that needs to be addressed. And uh, so. Universities, they, they have airport pickup service uh, for, for new students arriving from all over the world. Uh, many of these students will have never been to Ireland before. So they're not really familiar with how the country operates. And so during this orientation week, the university lay on a, a lot of presentations and events for you. Obviously, they welcome you to the university and they ensure that you are familiar with the facilities and services which are available to you throughout your stay. Um, then there will be a little bit of advice about how the higher education is structured. They want to ensure that you know where to go for future guidance and support. Um, you'll be able to meet with your academic tutor if you have any questions about your course. And they will also, of course, um, lay on social events so that you get to meet and make friends with your fellow students, because that is a very, very important part of your 
whole university experience. I'm actually still friends with a, uh, a person I met during that very first week. And it was quite a, quite a few years ago. Yes. No, that, think... that's back in the middle ages, Jeremy. I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm amazed <laughs> that uh, uh, they had orientation weeks back then. Well, they did, yes, but we, of course, didn't have uh, mobile phones or cell phones and we didn't have laptops, but we used to sort of tie a message to a pigeon's leg and then send it off. <laughs> yeah, those pigeons, they were very busy in those days. They, <laughs> they really, were really were. They were um, indeed. The other thing that uh, is um, important, of course, is accommodation of food, and we'll be getting to that in the next section. In my experience, the two existential questions for a, for a, <laughs> a, a, a year one student at a university is, you know, where am I going to live and what am I going to eat? Um, <laughs> and so let's take a look at both of those one by one, uh, starting with accommodation. Uh, how does that generally work? Is it guaranteed? Is it how does, it's on campus? How does that work, Jeremy? Uh, most universities will guarantee um, student accommodation for overseas students, particularly uh, at least in year one. It does, right. of course, depend on um, availability, you know, how many students and how many rooms the university has. But by and large, I feel on safe grounds asserting that if you are an overseas student coming to Ireland, um, it's pretty certain that you're going to be able to get uh, student accommodation. However, the, the, you know, your usual piece of advice probably applies here <laughs> as much as everywhere else, does it not? Well, yes. Um, overseas students, I'm, I'm talking here about non-EU students, right. you, will be, you will be making an application direct to the university and you will have your place you know, nailed down much earlier than the EU students. So that right. means, of course, that you can jump in on the housing queue ahead of the others. So and start that, early. Do not wait. If you're, if you're a non-EU international student, uh, as soon as you get uh, the, the offer, you should have sort of jump into that queue um, because that will ensure that you do get accommodation. Is that right? I think that's good advice for everybody, both EU and non-EU citizens. Um, as soon as you get the offer, contact the housing office and make sure that you uh, get yourself a room at the university. Indeed. And, and what about the sort of, you know, where are you going to stay? What kind of rooms are they? Are they great big dorms with rows <laughs> of uh, beds in them? Uh, or, or do you get your own space? Uh, I think you've been watching too many of those Charles Dickens films with old British boarding schools a hundred years ago. I was ago. just remembering or, or, or uh, the story. You, I was remembering the story you told me about your university days. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, Go on, yeah. carry on. Yes. So um, universities have things called halls of residence. Uh, these are university-owned, university-run um, accommodation. Um, typically, you will be in a like, a, like an apartment right. with four, four to eight students, and there will be a common sort of uh, living room area, sitting room area, area and a kitchen and, and of course a bathroom. Okay. And then there'll be individual rooms off. And you of course will have one of those rooms. And uh, it'll be a single room, but, but you're still part of a, like a little community in, in your apartment. And that's a very nice way for, for you to, to live at university. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's generally the way things are structured in Ireland. Yeah? 
Mostly, yes. I mean, there are some of the, the, the older um, accommodations uh, where, where you have like rows of single rooms down a corridor, down a hallway, um, and those still exist, of course. Um, but there, there are other options open to you, and some students like to be more independent and just go and rent a place in town. Um, right. um, and they, they, they like to cook for themselves, and you, you have this option in university accommodation. Uh, you, you'll have access to a kitchen, uh, so you can prepare your own meals. Very often, a, a group of students, particularly those who share this sort of apartment I've just been describing, will band together and sort of take it in turns to cook. Uh, because it's a fun, sociable thing to do. And I, I, I remember way back, you know, we, we talk about my university days, we used to do this every Sunday. All of us who shared the house, we would take it in turns to cook the Sunday dinner. And it was a very nice thing. It sort of brought us together as a little a group of, uh, of students. Right, and, uh, and, and, and usually, though, those sort of things, uh, international students, generally they, they go for the first year, don't they? into a combination yes, yes. so you can actually meet the people and work out who you want to live with in the second year if you choose that option is that right yes absolutely right uh, of course i mean some students choose, choose to stay in university accommodation uh for all three years but that Indeed. does depend on availability and it's it's by no means guaranteed everywhere that you'll be able to do that but as you indicated neil typically Students will get to know a, a group of friends during year one, and then they will get together and they will go to the housing office uh, on the campus and say, look, you know, there's three of us, four of us. We would like to go and rent a, a house or an apartment in town. And the housing office will have lists and lists of available um, properties. And then you just make an appointment with the owner, go around there and have a look and then sign the contracts. And that's how you move out of university accommodation into or private rental accommodation. That's a very, very common scenario, I would say. Yeah, yeah certainly in my experience, that was the way yes, it worked. Yeah, yes. um, okay, this, the next uh, existential um, uh, factor is food. Uh, and as somebody who, um, uh, when I was that age, uh, needed an awful lot of calories to keep me going, uh, I remember wandering around on Sundays on campus, <laughs> desperately trying to find calories. Um, how is it nowadays? Uh, how how is food organised, and and how do you how do you fill yourself up? Well, there there are several different options. Uh, as we mentioned just now, um, you can cook for yourself and uh, using right. the facilities, kitchens provided by the university. If you're in university accommodation, um, there are a lot of cafeterias, uh, eating places on the campus. Um, and then, of course, you can go into the local town or city where there's any number of fast food outlets and small restaurants and cafes. And do Irish universities offer meal plans like they do in the States and, and Canada? Yes, uh, many of them do. Uh, you can purchase a meal plan. Uh, be, it would typically be either two or three meals per day. Um, the only downside of this is, of course, if you've purchased a meal plan, you sort of feel obliged to sort of be there and eat at you know these regular times through the day which might not suit what you're doing in terms of your studies or your social life uh, it might be better just to load up your student card with some money and then have the flexibility to just to go into any of the student-run cafeterias on campus and eat when when it suits you and 
as frequently or infrequently as suits you. Indeed. And sometimes by using the uh, student card, you'll get a discount, won't you, on the um, on on the the price rather than using cash. So it's often it's often uh, the very best way. It gives you the flexibility and uh, not quite as um, affordable as if you do the meal plan, but nevertheless uh, uh, is probably one of the more affordable options. I think that uh, if if you are looking for an affordable way to eat, then obviously just to go shopping at the local supermarket, a group of you, and uh, make some meals together. I mean, students yeah. are students are famous for eating pasta with with one of pasta sauces a lot because Indeed. it's it's cheap and it fills you up quickly. Completely, and you know, um, Ireland has a lot of the uh, European discount. Uh, stores um, uh, in Ireland, and and so buying food is relatively cheap uh, if you if you shop wisely. Um, I think. Yes. Um, so so probably by far the cheapest option is obviously to go down to one of those uh, uh, discounters, um, and uh, mainly German discounters actually, uh, German companies, <laughs> um, and uh, go and go and shop um, in bulk. Uh, with your friends, that's probably the cheapest way of doing it, isn't it? And share yes. the cost. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about money. Um, and I think we need to split this conversation up probably into two groups, at least for tuition. We have um, uh, one group which um, uh, accesses uh, a very different fee structure to the other group. Let's start with um, EU citizens and and others. Uh, first of all, who can access the, the cheaper rates? Okay, well, in Ireland, they have something called free fees, which basically okay. means you don't, you don't pay university what, fees. So they just don't pay fees or what? Uh, well, the, the education ministry transfers the money to the universities, of course, because they, they still need funding. Um, however, you don't need to concern yourself with that as a student. What you, I am sure, are interested in is to find out whether you qualify for free fees. Indeed. Um, so if you are an EU citizen, a citizen of the United Kingdom, or the EEA, that's Liechtenstein, Norway, Iceland, or if you are a Swiss citizen, then you will qualify for free fees. Uh, okay. you must, Does that mean it's uh, free? Uh, not quite. <laughs> ah, okay, there's ah. a catch, is there? <laughs> there's always a catch. Okay, there's always a catch. Okay, go it's on. A, it's, it's only a very small catch, okay? Okay. Okay, first of all, that list of citizens I've just uh, made, uh, you have to be resident for three of the last five years in an EU country or EU ah, country. So you and can't just be a national? No, but for most people, that, that's not a problem unless you happen to be out abroad somewhere. Now, right. Now, I, I mentioned that it's free fees. However, most students will have to pay what's called an annual student contribution fee. And this okay. fee covers things like services like libraries, computer labs, clubs, exam entry fees, all of those things. And it's uh. currently capped at a maximum of 3,000 euros a year. And some universities charge less than that, but the max is 3,000 euros. So, if you are doing the free fees because you are an EU citizen, etc., um, you will actually end up paying 
3,000 euros. It's Which just is still, not, um, it's, nothing, you know. it, it's, it's not called tuition fee, it's called student contribution fee, but I mean, it amounts to the same thing effectively as far as you're concerned because it's money which you have to give to the university. So you should, in your mind, think it's going to cost you about 3,000 euros. Which is a uh, great value for, for an English-speaking oh. country. Um, uh, you know, uh, when you compare with USA and Canada and the UK, um, yeah, you're looking yeah. at an incredible deal there, aren't you? You're looking at a very good deal. You're getting a top quality university education for 3,000 euros a year. And of course, right. you're only stuff studying for three years, whereas in Canada and the USA, you'll be paying for four years. So yes, it's definitely a good deal. Right, okay. Now that's fascinating. Um, and for non-EU uh, citizens, non-UK citizens, non-Swiss, all of those people that uh, uh, who don't qualify for this uh, pricing structure, what's the position for them? Well, that's the interesting part. Um, it does depend quite a lot on, on what subject you're going to be studying and, of course, right. uh, which university you go to. Um, but typically, subjects like business, arts, humanities, uh, mostly in the region of between 10 and 20,000 euros a year tuition right. fee. Um, other subjects a little more expensive, like engineering, science, technology, 10 up to about 25,000. Okay. And of course, medicine comes in as the winner, as the most expensive. Always. Always, always, yeah. Uh, and of course, you'll be studying for five years if you're doing a medical degree, at least. Um, it's between forty and fifty-five thousand euros Ouch. a year. Ouch, indeed, yes. And that is a lot of money over five years. We're looking at a, a quarter of a million euros uh, uh, yep. to cover the cost of of that education. Um, yes. So, if you're thinking of um, studying medicine in in uh, in uh, in Ireland, or I mean, realistically, almost any location, uh, as an international student. Uh, you better have a big piggy bank, I guess, is the yes, message, indeed. is it not? It's not going to be cheap. <laughs> it's really not. Indeed, indeed. And, and are there additional costs uh, that you need to calculate in here? Um, yeah, yes, on there top are. Of, uh, mm. uh, of the, the tuition fees? Yes, I mean, irrespective of, of where you go and study, unless, of course, you stay at home with your parents, um, you're going to have to pay accommodation costs, housing costs. Indeed. Um, in, in Ireland, we've just been talking about accommodation uh, in terms of being on campus in student accommodation or moving off campus into a, a shared apartment or house. Um, the sort of the mid-range is round about 900 euros per month if you're in university accommodation. Right. And if you move off campus, well, it really depends how many people you manage to stuff exactly. in the house to share the rent. But let's assume that you don't stuff too many people into the house. You have to reckon probably about 900 a month. Because you have to pay all the bills as well on top. And you're yes. Thing, yes. All of those kind of things. So the rent might be lower, but you're picking up a whole range of other costs uh, when you take on a, a, a rental of a property outside. Absolutely. Um, but as you said, uh, it really does depend on how many people you, you squeeze in. Uh, and you can push that number down lower if you if you want to, can't you? Yes, you can. Uh, I should point out, of course, that Dublin is more expensive. Yeah, it's, it's certainly more expensive than than the other cities. And currently, there there, there is uh, 
quite a shortage of student accomodation. Ah, oh, is there? In fact, one of, one of my friends and colleague, his daughter has just started at University College Dublin last month, and finding accommodation was, was actually quite difficult. Okay, so that's yeah. really important to bear in mind. Um, living in, in Ireland, though, uh, assuming you don't drink too much Guinness, uh, is um, not too expensive, is it? Not really. I mean, we, we discussed just now this idea that you can go to a supermarket, a group of friends can maybe do some cooking together, or you cook on your own and go and buy the ingredients. Um, by and large, you'll probably get by in about 400 euros a month. Right. It's, it's not bad for, for Western Europe and certainly yeah. um, pretty good compared with the USA and, and, and Canada nowadays uh, where things um, you know, uh, uh, can be very expensive. Um, and the other side of this coin is, is, is employment, of course. Um, it's all good spend, very good spending money, but can students earn money if they're on a student visa in Ireland? Uh, yes, they can. Um, obviously, EU and EEA citizens and UK citizens uh, don't need a visa to go to um, live and study in Ireland. And right. they have free, so they can free, just work as they want. They can, yes. They have free access to the labour market and they can work as much as they wish. Um, other students, international students, uh, you'll be there on a, on a student visa and you are restricted to 20 hours a week during term time and 40 hours a week during the holiday time. But realistically speaking- Wow, that's generous though, isn't it? It is, because if you're going to study properly, uh, you're not going to have time to do more than 20 hours a week during term time. No, you'd be I really know. pushing it, wouldn't you? I mean, 20 yeah, hours a week, would. well, that's, that's eight hours at the weekend and then and then four hours one evening. Poor, you'd be, you'd be really, really pushing it to get to that 20 hour. And of course, 40 hours is the, uh, uh, you know, European legal maximum uh, for for working hours uh, for most uh, areas. So that's a very generous setup. Uh, and you mentioned earlier that um, uh, the payment is pretty pretty good in 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 Ireland. Um, yes, I was talking about the payment for internships. I mentioned you probably get on an internship uh, between fourteen and eighteen hundred euros. Uh, but right. by and large, uh, wages in Ireland are are reasonably high, um, very, very much in line with Western Europe. So you, uh, you'll be able to earn some money if you uh, put your mind to it. So uh, for an EU citizen, it's a, a very powerful mixture, isn't it? Uh, you've got uh, you know, a, a moderate uh, living cost, you've got a low fee structure, and you've got the opportunity to earn uh, as well. Um, so that's a, a pretty powerful mix. Um, is there financial aid available, like in America or Canada, or is that more limited? Um, it's certainly more limited uh, because, of course, these universities are being heavily subsidized with taxpayers' money. If, yeah, really. you are, if you are at an Irish university as an EU citizen or a British citizen, then you are only going to be paying that uh, one-off €3,000 fee. Right. Uh, what this what this means, of course, is the actual tuition fees are paid by the Irish government, the Irish taxpayer, and so there's actually very, very little in terms of scholarship money available. Okay. Now, I know it might be an issue for international students who are paying considerably more, um, but it is by no means comparable with countries like the United States, where uh, financial aid uh, plays a, a major role 
for families in financing higher education for their sons and daughters. I think in Ireland, the best way to approach it is to assume you're going to have to pay the sticker price. Um, but contact the university, the individual universities, and just ask them if they have any scholarships or financial aid. But please don't expect there to be a lot of money flowing your way. There's a um, little bit of good news, though, for American citizens, is there not? Yes. And maybe Americans, Canadians? Yes, they can use FAFSA. It's called Free Application for Federal Student Aid. So you can actually use this federal student aid to go and study in Ireland. And what does that mean? What are you looking at in terms of money? Is that going to pay for everything? Or? Uh, no, <laughs> probably not going to pay for everything if you're an international student, uh, but it will certainly be a, a help. Okay. And the other major cost, I guess, is health insurance. Yes. Um, if you're an EU citizen, uh, you will be covered EU-wide by your own health insurance from your My own country. My goodness, okay. Country. So nothing there. Um, and for UK citizens as well? UK citizens, um, you, they will probably have to take out some extra insurance because the UK is no longer an EU country. Indeed. But it, it's, it's worth checking up on that because in the UK, there's something called National Health Service. Um, but I think the best advice is to, to check carefully on that one. Um, okay. For international in, students who are non-EU? Yeah, international students, non-EU students, uh, you will have to take out some health insurance. It's mandatory to do so if you're going to be there on a student visa. Um, I went online, actually, and had a little look because I was curious to see how much sure. this would cost. And I had a look at one of the major providers in Ireland. And, of course, there are different levels of health cover from the basic up to the, the very fancy ones. But the basic health cover, it came out at about €40 Euros per month. So let's move on to visas um, for uh, students. First up, who needs a visa? Well, um, if you're an EU, EEA or UK or Swiss citizen, you don't need a visa. So they don't need to worry. They just walk in, do they? Exactly. Yes. Um, okay. If you are another nationality, then you will almost certainly have to have a, a visa. And okay. you'll, make, you'll make your application, of course, to the visa office. Um, you might make the application through the Irish Embassy in your own country, or it might right. be processed through uh, the central office in Dublin. It depends on whether the Irish have an embassy in your own country. Um, okay, so let's go through the, you know, the, 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 what's required. Um, I guess you need a, an offer, do you not, first of all? Yes, definitely. Uh, you have to prove that you're actually going to go to Ireland to be a student, and that means you have to have a letter of acceptance from a recognized college or university. And obviously your right. university will provide you with that. Um, okay. you, what you else do you need? Proof of English proficiency. Um, then and you how, also, does that, how can you prove that? Um, uh, there are a variety of different ways, are there not? There are, yes. Uh, there are many different sort of English proficiency tests and exams which you can take and provide the uh, the uh, recognized certificate which you will receive yeah i, I noticed that even uh, duolingo one of my favorite language learning apps is uh, is now um uh, accepted in in many locations which is yes really great. I've, I've noticed that recently as well yes uh, which is a, a definitely a plus i would say it is what else okay you you have to show that you have paid the fees the tuition fees 
because remember, if you're an international citizen, you're going to be paying tuition fees. Uh, we sure. went through the prices just now. Um, you, but you also, importantly, you have to show that you have enough money to maintain yourself, you know, to pay for your housing, your food, etc. Um, for the and what does part. enough mean? Well, it's currently set at 7,000 euros a year. And, and that's in your bank account or in your dad's bank account or cash? You have to turn up with 7,000 at the, at, the, uh, at the gate. How does that work? <laughs> Uh, no, you don't have to bring it in cash. Um, Ireland has a very sophisticated banking system. Um, but you will actually have to open an Irish bank account when you arrive in Ireland. Um, right. But that's sort of jumping ahead a little bit. Because in order to open an Irish bank account, you have to have an Irish address. And so that's why you have to wait until you actually get to Ireland to open your bank account. What this means in effect is you're going to have to have a document from your bank in your home country or your parents will probably do it for you uh, right. to show that there are enough funds to uh, maintain okay. you for your stay in Ireland. Right, but that's an important document, isn't it? Very and, important. And sometimes quite tricky to obtain if you if you work in um, uh, some locations in, in the globe. I know I spent a lot of time in Oman uh, in the Middle East and and you know, those sort of documents are really quite tricky to, to come across uh, uh, in that location. So be aware that uh, uh, your mum and dad might struggle. And, and again, start early, perhaps, would be the advice. Is there anything else um, that you need? Um, of course, you have to have your private medical insurance, which we've just uh, ah. talked about. Yeah. And and as, just to go, you know, recap, you, you need to go, if, you're, if your uh, country where, of residence has a um, an embassy you'd normally go uh, to that embassy um and sometimes an embassy covers multiple locations so be aware of yes. that mm -hmm. um again i know in the middle east uh, uh the embassy in riyadh in saudi arabia often covers uh, a range of different countries in the region um and if there is no embassy uh, then often you'll have to do the process online is that right Yes, you will. You'll do it directly with, with the ministry, uh, interior ministry in, in Dublin, the capital of Ireland. Let's talk about applications now. What's the first thing that a student needs to do if they wish to apply for an Irish university? Well, the very first thing, of course, is to set yourself some priorities about what sort of university you're looking for. Right. Um, and then after that, you can go on a website called CAO, Central Applications Office. And there you can search for university courses uh, at all universities in Ireland, uh, because Ireland operates a centralized system. Um, it's important to understand the terminology which is used on this website. Yeah. When you, when you go there, you will see what they call level eight courses. A level Ooh, eight course, well, yeah, good question. <laughs> uh, level eight course is actually an honours degree, a bachelor's degree, and you will almost certainly be applying for a level eight course. Now, okay, there are so all... what's a level seven course then? Well, a level seven course is just an ordinary degree without honours. Uh, okay. I think, I think pretty much everybody listening to this podcast will be going for the level eight courses. Okay. And level nine courses, then, in that case, what are they? Do they go all up and down, or how does well, it work there? You, 
Yeah, they just they just keep numbering up. Uh, but f- for the moment, uh, we're just going to focus on level eight courses. So we okay. So, we so level so eight don't courses get, are... don't get too confused with the terminology here. And they're the equivalent uh, of a of a UK uh, honors course. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. Um, yes. Because obviously North America, it's slightly different. Um, you know, a, a level eight course would probably be a, a normal bachelor's degree uh, in North America, and honors is then. Uh, given to to very few students in in comparison with the UK, uh, is that correct? Um, yes, it, 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 the the Irish degree, the honours degree, is is exactly uh, equivalent to the UK bachelor's okay. degree with honours. Yeah. So you've understood what's on the site. You, then what do yeah. you do? Okay. Um, then you can. Uh, it's, it's worth knowing that you can apply to act to up to ten courses. Ah. Okay. Is that a well, centralized system for everybody yeah. or how does that work? Ah, uh, would it were so easy? <laughs> but yes, it, <laughs> yes and, and no is the answer. Okay. Um, so, so if you are uh, an EU citizen, then you'll right. apply through this website, CAO. And if you are not, then you'll contact the international office of the college or university you want to apply to and apply directly to them. Now, you recall I mentioned that international students will be able to do this and get an offer of a place quite quickly, much much earlier in the academic year. And I mentioned that they are at an advantage because they can jump in quickly for the housing. Um, Right, indeed. Yeah. So what's the timeline for international students then who have to apply directly to the universities? Well, international students can, can start applying as soon as the universities will open up their websites, which is usually around about October time. Um, right. So, as ever. So, theoretically, they could get an offer before Christmas, yeah? They could do, yes. I mean, I, I don't say it's always the case, but it is theoretically possible. Right, indeed. And for EU citizens for, who use the CIO system? Yeah, um, there will be a, a February the 1st application deadline okay. on, the, on the CAO website. Um, and there's an application fee of 45 euros that you have to right. pay. Um, if you apply a little later on, which is still possible, but you pay a higher application fee. So the advice is have February the 1st in your mind as your application deadline and make sure you get in before February the 1st. Right. And how does that then spin out for EU students? Uh, obviously, international students, it's case by case for the universities. Yes. But this yeah. is a centralised system, perhaps similar to UCAS in the UK. Um, when, when do you get an offer? Uh, that's, that's a really good question, because we, we need really to talk through this whole CAO timeline. Well, let's do that. Um, as I mentioned, February the 1st is the application deadline. Then on June the 1st, you'll receive a statement of application email that lists your courses, the ones that you've listed on the CAO. But the most well, that's really was, late. The 1st of June well, that, is when that, they come back to you. Well, no, no, they don't. Uh, they, they, they just send you an email so that you can double check that you've got ah, your okay. Course. So that's not anything there. Okay, no, so no, carry no. on. So... The, the important thing to understand is that when you actually make your application on CAO website, it's very, very important that you list your courses, your universities, in order of preference or priority. Ah, okay. 
And I'll explain in a moment why that is the case. Please. Uh, but it, it is very important to hold this thought in your head. So you will make the application before the 1st of February. And then during the 1st, you'll receive a, a statement of application email where you just have to check that everything is listed correctly. Um, but then this is where it gets interesting. I mentioned uh, earlier on in the podcast that no matter what exams you're applying with from all over the world, uh, the Irish will convert this into a points total. Um, and so that they can compare people approaching them or applying to them with different um, uh, exam systems. So you will be allocated a point or points. Um, then following the publication of the Irish school leaving exam results, and this happens in late August, you will receive an email with details of your offer from the university. And this will also be visible on, your, on the CAO website, where you can view and accept your offer. Now, let us assume you're going to do this through the CAO website. You will see that, say, University College Dublin was your first choice, and you have been allocated a place, and so you accept the offer by the reply deadline. And they usually give you a couple of weeks to do this. If you miss the reply deadline, you lose the place. Right. Now, places are offered based on what they call an order of merit list. And this means that your exam results are converted into points, as I mentioned, and you compete with all the other candidates for a limited number of places on the course. Now, let us say, for example, you apply for, let's say, psychology at University College Dublin, and they have, say, 100 places. So they have a look at the order of merit list, and they give 100 places to the people who have scored highest on this list. Now, supposing that you are listed number 103, well, that would put you onto a waiting list, but it would also default you automatically down to your second choice university. Right. So let's say you've listed the University of Limerick as your second choice university. It would then show that you have been accepted into your second choice university. Um, it is a fairly complicated uh, system to understand, at least initially, but when you look into it, it all makes perfectly good sense. And what I would urge, urge you to do, if you're thinking about applying to Ireland, go onto the CAO website. This is the place you'll have to go to make your application and have a look at their little instructional video. It's one of the best instructional videos I've ever seen on any sort of university application website. It really shows it uh, extremely clearly how this whole process works. So I would urge you to go and have a look at this. Right. And for, from a, a perspective of an international student, um, you know, August is, is pretty late, isn't it? Uh, to be making, you know, if you're looking perhaps at two or three different locations, if you haven't committed to Ireland uh, as the sole location that you're looking at, um, it might be quite difficult to, to, to coordinate with the other options. Well, the international students, of course, will have got in earlier because they didn't go through CAO. But right. if, we, if we just talk about uh, people from the EU, EEA countries and the UK, Indeed. they are not going to find out until late August or even beginning of September if right. they have been allocated a place. 
And as you, you compare this, that with, say, Holland, yeah. where you're where you're yeah. pretty much guaranteed a place in March, April, sometime like that, uh, sometimes earlier, uh, that I'm yeah. sure puts uh, many of those students in a in a dilemma, perhaps. Yes, it, it is a problem because a lot of students, especially the ones I work with, tend to um, apply to um, universities in in multiple countries, and of course, the, the, the timelines don't don't line up. Um, no. So I think that if if you are one of these students and you've applied to Ireland and you're going to have to wait until end of August, beginning of September, before you're sure that you actually have a place. Right. Um, so it's something to bear in mind and, and, and certainly to, to understand uh, uh, if you are looking at multiple locations. Is there anything yeah. else that you need uh, for specific courses uh, uh, in order to apply sometimes the arts courses or, or other, other uh, types of courses require uh, testing? Um, medicine certainly requires testing. Uh, there is a, a test called HPAT, and this takes place in February. And, and again, of course, they cream off the, the ones who score highest. Um, but in terms of other subjects at universities, clearly um, the universities will make some stipulations on their website. For example, if you're applying into an engineering program, the university will tell you what level of mathematics they require, or what level of physics they require. Those type of things you find directly on the university website. So, Jeremy, in summary, why would you choose Ireland then uh, uh, as a location for, for um, higher education? Well, I think there are actually a lot of good reasons to choose Ireland because I did. I sent one of my sons there. And that sort of speaks volumes. I <laughs> you think. obviously think there are good uh, reasons. Tell, tell us them. Well, college counsellors usually know where to send their own kids. But moving away from that a little bit, um, I think for you, the listeners, um, a lot of people like the idea of going to live in an English-speaking country where it's a national language. Obviously, Ireland is an English-speaking country. Next up, it's an EU country. So you have the advantages of, uh, of being in the EU in terms of being allowed to work freely if you are an EU citizen. Um, but probably best of all, the fee structure. Um, because if you are an EU citizen, EEA citizen, as I mentioned, you qualify for the free fee status, and then you have that just one-off 3,000 euro uh, payment. So effectively, what it means is you're getting a top-rate education for 3,000 euros a year. Right. And then it's pretty can, good. It is pretty good. And then sort of to finalize this thing, Ireland is a very friendly country. I've been there many, many times and the people are, are really delightful. Um, there's a famous Irish writer called W.B. Yeats, and he once said this about Ireland. He said, there are no strangers here, only friends you haven't yet met. <laughs> That's wonderful, isn't it? It is. What a wonderful yeah. idea and uh, probably sums up the world of international students as well in that uh, you know we're all on that journey together and and uh, you know that next step transition to university should always be framed with those uh, words yes so jeremy to the important stuff of the day um you know what is it today is it cheese sandwich or are you going exotic for a pizza away well neil i knew you were going to ask me this and i'm, I'm going <laughs> I'm going to turn the tables on you because I know you're going to be consumed with envy when I tell you where I'm going right now 
Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to oh, how appropriate, I'm actually going to go to an Irish pub here in town and I'm going to have fish and chips and a Guinness. Which Irish pub are you going to, uh, Jeremy? Um, you know. I'm, I'm going to the Long Hall, which is round the back of the Rat House or City ah, Hall. Okay, here, I know that here, one. In... Um, I, I, when I lived in Vienna, I, I lived opposite um, a, a very famous Irish pub in Vienna, um, which was a terrible temptation because, um, <laughs> uh, you know, when when the day had been hard, I. I was uh, I'd drop in for a quick um, refreshment before facing uh, family life again. I wish you all the best. <laughs> Enjoy your fish and chips. Thank you very um, much. And drink a pint of uh, Murphy's or Guinness for me, please. I will indeed. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.